Welcome to episode number 17 of Josh's Worst Nightmare, presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, I will be chatting with Jennifer Trudrum. Jennifer's love of horror stretches both in front of and behind the camera. As an actress, she's appeared in film and television series, including The Vampire Diaries and Goosebumps, She has a tiny role in the upcoming film Halloween Kills, which she is totally geeking out about. As a screenwriter and producer, she's built quite the filmography of short horror films. Here there be Tigers, based on the Stephen King story, Unbearing and The Ebbing. Plus, she penned the feature film The Nest, which is currently available everywhere on VOD. Check out her short films at vimeo.com slash Jennifer Trudrung. Welcome to my nightmare, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So for every episode, I invite on horror creators to talk about an aspect of biological horror, which I define as living creatures and vital processes, something that's relevant to their art, their writing. And this episode, we will eventually get into the topic of ticks. So those who have listened to my podcast know I have a, a thing affinity is not the right word, but for ticks. And, uh, but first let's talk a little bit about the film that you wrote the screenplay for called nest, which I will have to say is pure biological horror in my opinion. So bang nail on the head with that. (laughs) I saw that last week and I was charmed and thrilled by it. So thank you. We're not going to give much away, but there are, insects involved and how how does that how did that inspire you why write about such a topic as insects so um i grew up in northern florida and pretty much every single type of insect that you can imagine was part of my childhood because it was a very outdoors outdoorsy childhood um And I think the more you're around uh, small critters and insects, um, the the aversion to them grows. And um, and then as I settled and had a family and had children, then you're worried about, you know, Lyme's disease, ticks and fleas and um, mosquito bites and lice. It's just all part of this kind of natural habitat that develops with having kids. And um, my youngest daughter, when she was in elementary school, developed severe separation anxiety, where it was like every day crying, my stomach hurts, please don't make me go to school. Um, and I, I I remember knowing that it, it was normal, you know, she needed counseling, she needed someone to talk to about the anxiety, but my horror brain went immediately to what if, what if there's something actually going on with her? You know, what if something was literally in her making her sick to be separated from her mother? So that was kind of the, the genesis of um, a parasitic creature uh, that was for some reason making this child almost addicted, obsessed with their parent. Mm. And so then it was like, well, what does that mean? Why would that happen? Um, and that was, that's, that was the origin story for the screenplay. Awesome. Yeah. I loved how you linked that biological horror aspect with a real 
human aspect. And of course, that's the real challenge of writing horror. You got to have the cool monstery horror part, but then you got to have the humanity and then finding the way to mesh those two together. So yeah, you did that really well. Thank you. So because, because I'm chomping at the bit to talk about ticks. <laughs> yes. So there may or may not be ticks in Nest, we're not going to say, but what is your relationship to ticks of all the insects that are out there? Um, I really, really don't like them. Uh, I have, uh, I believe it's trypophobia, which is the way that you pronounce it. And trypophobia is a, a fear of small clusters of, um, they could be holes, they can be, you know, like a wasp's, wasp's nest or, you know, pomegranate. There's just that cluster of small things that are together. And I can just remember, especially growing up in Florida, um, we didn't have in the seventies, we didn't have all this kind of modern flea and tick medicine. So we would, you know, that was just part of like, we got to get the ticks off the dogs. We have mm -hmm. to get the ticks off the cats and, and, uh, you know, pulling them or finding ticks on each other. Cause like I said, um, it was just part of growing up. I had ringworm, I had ticks, you know, it was just, we played in the dirt outside in the woods all the time. And they were the dog ticks. So they were the really big fat ones. Um, and so I think growing up, it was just like, they're disgusting. And then the more I learned about them, uh, they're dangerous. They can be dangerous because uh, they carry diseases. And um, I can remember when I was in my twenties, my uh, husband and I, went and camped out on Cumberland Island, which is off the coast of Georgia. And we, we camped out during tick season. We didn't know that. Um, and we set our tent up in the woods and then we went out to the beach. And um, when we came back to the tent, it was just covered with ticks, just crawling all over them. And so we just quickly grabbed our sleeping bags and just went and slept on the beach because it was just like, no, it was a giant no. Mm -hmm. And I can, it, it, ticks, they don't normally cluster kind of as much, but you, they do cluster. You can see animals just riddled with them. Um, and then now where I live in North Carolina, I have had numerous friends have Lyme's disease. Um, and living with that and dealing with that and the sickness and that one of uh, the son of a very good friend of mine, when he was 16, he developed Lyme's disease and he's literally spent a year in bed and he's okay now. But for a year, it was that, you know, this adolescence this year was just gone. He couldn't walk. He could barely get out of bed. And um, he drew, he did artwork uh, as a way to cope. And he drew this creature that was part tick and kind of part crab and part spider. And when, when I saw that, I bought it from him, a print of it. And that was the creature that I envisioned in the nest. I was like, that is awesome. what, it, you know, if you had just like endless amount of money to create like a special effects creature, that would be the creature. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it brings in all the creepy aspects all at once. So mm -hmm. when it comes to ticks for you, if they didn't, do anything to do with disease if you know they never had diseases would you have any issues with them still yes i would um 
you know, the thing is, is that you can have them on you and not know um, that's you they can crawl on you in bed and you wouldn't know, you know, grew up in Florida, we had <laughs> roaches and, um, but they were big enough to see and they're, you know, they're loud and everything. And then ticks are, they're stealthy. And um, I, the bigger ones, I think aren't quite as prone to carrying diseases, especially like Lyme's. Right. Um, but, but just the idea of somebody, somebody, something sticking like a probus, am I saying that right? Probiscus? Probosis, yeah, I think. Probosis. <laughs> and just like, ingest, it's like a mosquito. It's just anything that like punctures your skin, gets into your blood. Um, that's, that gives me serious willies. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, you brought up the little holes thing, which I mean, kudos for you in in the film i won't get into specifics <laughs> but i don't know if you conquered your fear it sure as heck we're confronting it i was but, confronting yeah well that was pretty good see it's we're both coming at it from different angles because i couldn't care less about bugs like i've had the big dog ticks on me i'm like oh cool like because i know that they don't carry the lyme disease they do sometimes have rocky mountain spotted fever cup but that's yes. so rare it's not even worth thinking about but bugs creepy crawly i don't want to crush it. like I, I don't want to hurt them and you're like sure a big spider or something that comes out of nowhere and startles me but i don't have any aversion to the insects crawling on me for me it's the the tiny tiny microbes inside that can fuck me up in the way that you had explained and it's and we don't know how uh, it, it can respond to you. So that's where I find troublesome, like the blood sucking component, eh, like, <laughs> so, so for you, it's, it's both, which makes it yes. even more frightening, but yeah, my loathing of Lyme disease. See, I come from New York state, basically the, almost not quite, but the epicenter, one of the yes. epicenters of the Lyme outbreak, I kept avoiding it as a kid. So I was in the woods a lot. It didn't get bad. It was in the Hudson river Valley, New York. It didn't get bad until basically I moved out to college and then somehow it exploded. So I got lucky. I never had Lyme, even though I was in the woods all the time, because they weren't as plentiful. Then I was up in Vermont and they weren't that plentiful, but then um, I moved away and came back. And then towards my time there, all of a sudden they were up there. So they were sort of following me. What is nice about Colorado, and I didn't move out here for the purpose, but we don't have Lyme disease out here. And yeah. uh, the, it's my understanding it's because the deer tick doesn't live out here because of the aridity. So mm -hmm. it needs moisture, et cetera. So um, if anyone, you know, we have a lot of people, maybe too many people in Colorado, I'm a transplant obviously, but <laughs> if, if you're a tick refugee, I think <laughs> we can, we can probably let you in, but uh, yeah. So, so yeah, the blood sucking element that is, you know, there, there's vampiric components to that, of course, and, and fears of, uh, human to human contagion and theory, all of that's underneath it. But uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's Lyme disease. And, and, and so like, if you had to put into proportion, like what percentage about ticks is the, the blood sucking insect part? What part is like the fact that they could cluster? Cause I have seen clusters of yeah. uh, uh, deer ticks. Like once I was walking in this forest in New Jersey and this rock was moving, but no, it wasn't. Uh, it was just coated with, I was like, Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Uh, so what percentage, all the, the horrible components? <laughs> um, I would say before I had kids, it was definitely just 
kind of the physical aversion of the idea of them, the look at them or what they were doing. And now that I have children and it's getting worse, you know, the diseases are spreading um, in terms of, you know, where we, it, it, it depends, as you say, where you live, but I do think that um, climate change, that we're having hotter winters, um, that, you know, we're not having the snow we're used to. So insects are, they're, they're habitat, they're like, yes, you know, they're like, there's not as much to kill them off. So now when your kids go run around in the backyard or they're rolling in the grass, you have to actually think, I got to check them for ticks, right. you know, like every time or you're hiking um, on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Like, uh, so yeah, I would say now it's more the fear of them contracting limes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a real concern. So there, the ecological aspects behind it are, are pretty interesting. I've looked a bit into this. So my background had been a bit of a journalist, a science writer. So I've written a little bit on this stuff, uh, not as much as I would have liked to, but things to do with, you know, where did it, where did it start? So the Lyme, Lyme, Connecticut is where we first became aware of it. And so there's a lot of ecological reasons. Like you said, the winters became a lot warmer. And so they came out more course they weren't really plentiful in the south which was pretty warm so we'll, we'll circle back to that in a second yeah. uh -huh. so there there may be an explanation for that we don't we don't quite know the answers to this yet but a lot of the other ecological stuff they think around land use of course right so maybe now there's critters closer where people are living killing off the predators of deer or, and then i found this interesting studies about more rainfall in a year creates more acorns and that creates more mice and that creates more ticks. And so that creates yep. more Lyme disease. So all these weird, weird connections like that, but the weirdest is, and I don't know what to make of this, but I'm a fiction writer. So I just talk about things that are cool to me. I don't know if it's true or not, but a book called lab 257 that talks about a place called plum Island, which is uh -huh. off the coast of New York. And, uh, crow's flight from Lyme. And it was a basically a government's germ laboratory where they were studying all sorts of things. And this, it sounds like a movie. They had Nazi yeah. scientists there, uh, old Nazis scientists, yeah. and they were studying aspects to do with contagion. And I believe based on this book, I haven't read it for a little while, but contagion through vectors such as ticks. Wow. <sighs> So who the mm. hell knows, but I, I know. encourage people to look into it. What, what do you think about, we won't, uh, this won't cancel you because you don't have to, this are just stories, but what do you think <laughs> about that story of that? Um, I think you need to write that story. I think you need to, um, that would make a fascinating movie for sure. Um, I don't know what I think about it. I really don't. I feel like there's probably a lot of things that, we don't understand, we don't know about. Um, but I also just feel like, I mean, insects, ticks, they've been around so long and before humans and they keep right. evolving. So I guess I lean more towards just natural evolution mm -hmm. and, and uh, um, you know, more humans, as you say, uh, more, um, going into the habitat, the natural habitat. And yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. It really is. That's, it's very interesting to think about because they are a natural disease vector, you know, and they are small. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, who's to say, uh, of course, there's the ongoing debate, which we will not get into around <laughs> origins of COVID, but it mirrors that same <laughs> discussion. And I think it might be safer to talk about the Lyme one, but yeah, who knows? But what's interesting is that Lyme is certainly not the only vector in ticks. There's something called, it sounds like a made up disease, a, a babyosis, ba- babesiosis, which I don't know the details on it, but it's another microbe. So there are all sorts of weird things. And, yeah. and, and the component of Lyme is something called a spirochete, which is literally like this spiraling sort of bacterium that burrows. And it's, this is why I do biological horror. Cause all I have to do is, you know, look outside or open a science book and yeah. endless, endless supply. No, you're you're absolutely right. I worked on a, um, a horror movie, and I was talking to a guy from Australia, um, and be, you know, during lunch one day, and I was like, Australia is freaking scary. You know, you got like huge natural insects and things that can kill you and hurt you. And but I was talking to him about um, the zombie deer disease, like the wasting away disease, yep. and um, he's like, what? hell is that and that's not an Australian accent but it's like what is that and I was like and that's one thing that fascinates me beyond ticks is fungus and spores and um yeah like you're right there's so much happening um outside in our environment and you know we're pretty we're pretty tough but we're really not as humans we're very susceptible to many different things for sure Right. And that's the horrific component that I keep coming back to. But so you mentioned fungus. It will be our previous episode was actually I brought yeah. on a fellow to talk about fungus. So, yeah, I'm definitely thinking about that. The chronic wasting disease. I've written yes. about that both in my horror and in my journalism. That's that prion. They do call it the zombie deer disease. It affects elk. It affects moose. It could potentially affect humans. That's the next mm-hmm. scary thing. Thus far, it doesn't seem to, but for me, it comes down to, it's like the tiny things versus the big things. And I'm not as afraid of the big, all right, crocodiles, you know, lions, (laughs) fine. But I walk in the woods of Colorado all the time. I don't even think about mountain lions. Like it doesn't even occur to me. I'm aware of black bear. I've seen them. I'm, I'm, I am afraid of grizzly bear. I'll I'll admit that they're they're not around here, but black bear, whatever. Um, rattlesnakes. I'm like, oh, I'll just pay attention. Just yesterday, I almost got struck by lightning. Apparently it crackles when you're really close. I, but I don't fear that stuff. What I'm afraid of more is just, yeah, like the tiny invisible things that you can't see that you don't know are there. Like if you escape the, all right, I got back from my hike. There's no bear on me anywhere. I guarantee mm-hmm. that. Right? right. So what is it that frightens you about the, the little things besides the visual components? Um, You know, a lot of it is that if you don't think to check or even, you know, if you go overseas, I have had people get parasites um, from different countries and come home with them and have them living in them for a year. And that happened to a cousin of mine and finally figured out what was going on or, um, you know, having standing and I like my neighbor, I was standing and talking to him and I was like, kind of going like this. And he's like, okay, hold on. And he just plucked a tick just right off the top of my head. Yep. That's another thing. Those, um, can I curse? Yeah. Yeah. 
those fuckers drop from trees that <laughs> they, they do. I swear to God. I'm, I hope I'm not making that up. I have heard. So if you're walking, you know, they're not like aiming, they're not right. smart enough to do that, but sometimes they'll just drop. And, uh, yeah. So it's not even just like walking through the grass or, you know, you just squat to pee or whatever. If you brush a tree branch or you're near something, they can fall on. Well, you. Let, let's address that real quickly. Now okay. we, we don't know everything for sure in the world, but I have done a little bit of research on that and it's not impossible, but it doesn't seem to be <laughs> very con- It might've happened to you, of course, but cause here's the thing, the ticks, they're, modus operandi is to be on grass so things pick they're okay climbed up all the way up a tree in hopes of like it's not a very good strategy no you're right but it's not impossible it's certainly not impossible um but that makes it worse to think that he (laughs) crawled all the way up all the way up from my ankles and made it to the top of my head and i never felt him or her it's it's a more (laughs) that was a very malevolent tick apparently i don't know what's (laughs) going on with that but you know yeah because it's like my goal is to frighten people at the same time but like realize what the risks are and what's yeah so check yourself for ticks or move to a place without ticks or whatever (laughs) they're probably not dropping down from the sky but they might be if if not them other things will be um but um we, we never know for sure, but yeah, that that's, that's a frightening thing. And, and it's just, it's on your person it, and you don't know. I, I, I think it's insects are very akin to just a form of contamination, right? Like, yeah. like that natural fear and almost a possession because like you said, you can be going about your day and it's like, no, it's already there and you don't know it. That that to me is like a big monster any day. I'm like, all right, where is he? All right, not here. Like, like, uh, I just watched the, the film, uh, a, a silent place, the, the second one. And, mm-hmm. uh, basically these big monsters. And if you make a sound, they, they beat the shit yeah. out of you for no real reason, but whatever. Um, I would, if I, well, here's the question. Would you rather have a world of those or tiny, tiny versions of those? <laughs> Uh, and I can't pick neither. Um, <laughs> I would say the big ones. Yes, I, I would, because I don't see how, how, how you could fight. It's almost like remember Stephen King. Um, I think it was the first creep show, or the second creep show where the guy had totally decontaminated his apartment and it was like sterile. Right. And he had this huge aversion to, I think roaches. Yeah. And then they just all came in and ingested him. I just feel like there's just no way when we're, when humanity is gone, there's going to be insects. There's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it is, it's that, <laughs> that sounds depressing, but it's, there's, there's so much more resilient and there's so many more, you know, like the numbers of insects versus the number of humans. Yeah. I've heard that like in a square area, there's a certain number of spiders where there's like a thousand spiders in this certain area where you literally could be standing by yourself and not realize in your backyard, you're surrounded by a thousand spiders. Right. But then they also say, Oh, you eat a spider every day or something. That's not true. None of those things are true. Like once in a while, maybe I bet you neither of us have ever eaten a spider. I I doubt I have. I know I've swallowed a few flies uh, inadvertently driving in the the back of my dad's truck. (laughs) Thousands of uh, gnats, probably. Yes tens of thousands of gnats, but yeah, I think it's like, we can keep out big, right? So oh, I'm right. going to hide in this thing. Now you, you can't keep out little and, 
and it's interesting that you mentioned, yeah, so there, there's so many of them compared to us. They're kind of Earth's real species. Like if, if Earth had a dominant species, it's them, not us. If, if you talk about ecological significance, if there's a Martian, they may be like, yeah, there's these, these naked apes that run around like <laughs> idiots, but the real denizens of Earth, the insects are here shaping the ecosystems. Do you think maybe, and this is ridiculous, but what if it's, we don't, we're not revolted by these insects, we're jealous of them? Huh. Um, I don't know. I don't, I mean, they have such a short lifespan and I don't know. I don't know. That would be interesting. That really would. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I think that, and so much has been done in horror with the, the hive, the hive brain, Right. Like the way they work as a unit. And I don't know that about ticks. Do they work that way? Do you no, know? I don't believe that there's any element of that. I think they're more, they're a little individual thing. They don't really have yeah. like the, the worker tick and the drone tick and the queen tick, although that'd be frightening as hell. That would be, that needs this. Another one needs to happen. <laughs> needs to be written and created. <laughs> ticks with hive mind. Yeah, that would, I would not want to be up against that. That's for sure. <laughs> But we don't know stuff, right? So it could no. all be that there are things going on with them that who's to say? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, that that's true. well, I'm so glad you can come on and talk about ticks. There aren't a lot of people that I think would want to or or be willing or able to. And you were just the it seemed like the perfect person as soon as I heard you on that podcast. I'm like, I, I gotta have her on. So thank, thank you. you for being here. But um before you go. Can you tell us maybe what you're working on and then remind people again where people can find your work? I'll link to it uh, in the description, of course, but just a reminder. Um, thank you for asking that, Josh. Um, you can watch The Nest uh, anywhere video on demand. It's on Redbox, uh, Amazon, iTunes. And um, it's definitely more of a psychological horror slow burn, I think. Um, and I love that you said it. You said ecological horror. I call it biological horror. Biological e horror. Ecological horror is definitely a subsector of that. that yes, that I agree. Biological horror. So I'd love for people to watch that. And then if you're interested in my short films, it's on uh, Vimeo under Jennifer Trudrung. And uh, I have a short film that uh, animated, I didn't animate it, it's called Posture. And that's um, being submitted to film festivals. And I have screenplays I'm working on. Um, and one is a thriller that has nothing to do with uh, um, insects and parasites, uh, more just traditional thriller that is getting pitched. And so wish me good vibes that maybe that will be made also. That would be exciting. Absolutely, yeah, well, I, I hope it does. And I look forward to checking that out. So thank you, Jennifer, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. 
Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or Josh'sWorstNightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.